from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. In addition to climate, I think it might have a lot to do with the availability of food, especially during the first few months of a bird's life. That's Greg's theory. Uh, Justin, do you think he could be on to something with that? Absolutely. Um, well, I, you know, I don't, as a biologist, I don't feel super comfortable using the word smart when referring to birds sure. because that might, you know, that might mean different things for different species. And uh, I got to emphasize that we are using relative brain size as a very coarse proxy variable, as a stand-in for what biologists kind of refer to as the capacity for behavioral flexibility. So I'm really oversimplifying, but there's a kernel of truth in my oversimplification. Yeah, yeah he's shrugging. I, I want to translate for... I'm Sarah Fenske. Astute birders may have noticed an interesting fact. Since the, 19, the late 1970s, North American birds have been decreasing in size. Researchers believe the change has been driven by changes in the environment, including warmer temperatures. Yet new research from Washington University indicates that bigger-brained birds did not shrink as much as smaller-brained ones. That's even when they experienced the same amount of warming. A study published in Ecology Letters earlier this month explains what scientists learned about this and why it matters. And joining us today with more is Justin Baldwin. He is a Ph.D. candidate with the Batero Lab in the Division of Biology and Biomedical Sciences at Washington University. Justin, welcome. Hi there. So, Justin, you start this study by noting that many birds are getting smaller. Is that an established fact at this point? So for about um, the last 20 years, uh, scientists have known that wildlife populations have been responding to man-made climate change. And over the more recent years, uh, biologists have been discovering lots of different ways how bio uh, wildlife populations have been changing. And um, so that kind of includes uh, changes in the place that wildlife lives in. Um, so. Um, many birds have been kind of moving towards colder places as the climate gets warmer. Um, they've also been changing how, how they live. So like the times at which they migrate, the times at which they breed. Um, but our story really starts with one of the most astounding discoveries, which is that uh, some species of birds have been shrinking their body sizes. And so we can't quite say that it's uh, an established fact that applies to all um, birds, much less all species of wildlife. But uh, there are some very compelling recent studies um, um, that show that a lot of, uh, well, there's one study that uh, shows that about 50 species of North American uh, songbirds have decreased their body size since the 1970s. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where we started. Yeah, so that's where you started. There's a whole bunch that are decreasing, but this is not universal. What did you find out about the difference between the birds that are getting smaller and the birds that are not? Yeah, so uh, we, when the f study came out that really started our process, uh, this was in late in 2019, early 2020, some scientists at the Field Museum in Chicago 
um, had this published this article that showed that many species were decreasing in body size. But yes, correct, it's not universal. We were really struck how some species seem to be decreasing a lot more than others. And so we're really excited about birds at the Botero Laboratory. Um, we, we study a lot of different things about how birds um, live in the, wild, in the wild and kind of why, that, why they do the things they do. And uh, we are really interested in behavior. And so one of the things that, that we were drawn to was, you know, uh, birds do a lot of different things. They live in a lot of different places and a lot of different ways. Um, but there is this kind of trend where birds that have larger brains relative to their body size are the ones that uh, build tools in the wild. They live in complex social groups. They live in harsh and variable, unpredictable climates. And uh, let's see, what they uh, invest more time into raising their uh, babies. They survive better in the wild. So we, uh, based on that, um, we thought that species with larger relative brain sizes might also do better at avoiding the harsh effects of man-made climate change. And so when we're talking about big brains, like literally fi- a physically larger brain, with birds, a bigger brain really is correlated with being a smarter bird? Um, Well, you know, I don't, as a biologist, I don't feel super comfortable using the word smart when referring to birds because that might, you know, that might mean different things for different species. And uh, I got to emphasize that we are using relative brain size as a very coarse proxy variable, as a stand-in for what biologists kind of refer to as the capacity for behavioral flexibility. So I'm really oversimplifying, but there's a kernel of truth in my oversimplification. Yeah. yeah, he's shrugging. I, I want to translate for, for those of you who can't see the body language. He's shrugging as if to acknowledge I may have a point, even though I've taken it probably farther than I should take it. So uh, these birds that have these greater cognitive abilities, they are able to maybe adapt or respond to climate change in the way that a bird that, that is smaller and smaller brained relative to its body size are not. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, so. We, again, what we've what we've kind of found is not exactly how. That's that's another that's the next great um, question to look into. Um, but we it does seem that the effect of warming temperatures on the breeding grounds of these different birds is more pronounced in species that have smaller relative brain size compared to ones that have larger ones. So does that suggest, uh, you know, that there may be ways to get around some of the devastating effects we've seen from rising temperatures, but not everybody's going to be able to do it? Absolutely. Yep. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So there might well be uh, ways in which uh, species with larger relative brain sizes are indeed coping. Um, We don't know how, um, but we kind of consider two different mechanisms. Um, that further research hopefully can, can uh, shed some light on. And so maybe the first is that as temperatures are rising, um, it might be that natural selection is favoring birds that are smaller because smaller birds, ones with smaller body sizes, have uh, more surface area relative to their volume. Mm-hmm. And so that aids their capacity to dissipate heat. And so if... Um, Temperatures are very, um, uh, just very high and and dangerously high, especially during the summer months. Then that might be that um, species that are individuals that are smaller uh, do better and survive these extreme temperature events better. Um, 
And so that might generate the push towards smaller, towards these decreases in body sizes. And so now species with bigger brains relative to their body sizes might do better at avoiding the effects of these heat waves. Maybe they're hiding out in cooler places. Maybe they're moving around a little bit better. Mm. We don't know. You could find maybe a, a shady part, and so almost a microclimate that you could be taking refuge in that, that a smaller-brained bird might not be able to get to. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yep. So do you feel like this work you've done with birds, this is something that we may see replicated in other groups of animals? That's a good question. Um, I am hesitant to uh, – I, I don't – Necessary. I wouldn't expect it exactly right now because um, I want to emphasize that this pr- relationship between large relative brain sizes and the capacity for for cognitive flexibility or behavioral flexibility, it's per, it's a course but established relationship in birds. It's a little more complicated when we go when we go to other animals. Mm-hmm. So we asked on both Twitter and Facebook, what's the most notable thing that local birders have seen lately? We actually heard from our own on-air host, Greg Montanew. Many of you are familiar with his voice. He's a great bird lover. And he writes, birds shrinking is something I've noticed a lot in the bird world. It's really apparent when we visit coastal areas. Cardinals are always smaller, along with mockingbirds and to some extent robins. In addition to climate, I think it might have a lot to do with the availability of food, especially during the first few months of a bird's life. that's Greg's theory. Uh, Justin, do you think he could be on to something with that? Absolutely. That's a great idea. And in fact, that's exactly the second um, mechanism that we considered uh, when we were thinking about how uh, big brains might buffer birds from these effects of changes in the environment. Um, so I, I mentioned that um, natural selection for decreased body size might be one mechanism, but the other mechanism is exactly what uh, Greg mentioned, which is this uh, developmental plasticity. So it's Mm -hmm. the capacity for birds to respond to changes in their environment due to um, growth, basically. And so Mm -hmm. in that scenario, um, birds might well be decreasing due to decreased food availability over the last couple decades. So we got so many lovely photos from people who are into birds. You can check out those at STL on air, our Twitter account. If you just look at the replies to our tweet, we even saw some photos of people's kids who were out birding. This thread just made me smile on a day. I feel like we could all really use it. I want to encourage people to check that out. Feel free to share your observations of what, what you've noticed out in the field. Justin, it was interesting that one of the data sets that you were able to use in this study, you mentioned it came from the Field Museum in Chicago. They were looking at birds birds who'd been killed in window strikes, which is such a a big, bad problem, but maybe some good is coming out of this because their bodies are now being used for science. Do you feel like that data set could yield more insights? Are you going to be looking at it for different things? Oh, absolutely. This is um, one of the really great uh, aspects of this kind of work is that it's very collaborative. And so what the researchers from the Field Museum generated is this massive data set, over 70,000 species, uh, individuals were um, measured and collected and deposited as specimens in the Field Museum, uh, and they shared all, all of their data. Hmm. And so you know, we're looking at some of these additional aspects um, 
or kind of for, for some next projects, um, but I imagine researchers all around the world might, uh, who, who might be interested in these kind of questions, they have access to these data. So that is a, so cool. Yeah. So for you, I mean, we know a lot of amateur bird lovers, some that Moonlight is radio hosts. Uh, were you somebody who was just in love with birds as a kid? Yeah, yes, although um, I, I found my way to birds kind of uh, during um, undergrad. Um, so during, um, you knew you wanted to study biology? Indeed, yep. Yep. I guess as a kid, I spent a lot of time outside, but mostly played music, uh, but then kind of fell in love with biology in my kind of uh, early uh, undergrad years. Um, and what made birds such a thing that you decided, you know, you want to go all the way with a PhD going way into bird life? Well, to me, they're just really magical um, and they're diverse. They're all over the place. Um, you know, they have figured out thousands of different ways of living. They've conquered all all continents of the earth, um, you know, their success story uh, is, you know, it spans 60 million years of evolution. Uh, it really begins with the end of the dinosaurs. It ties in all these cool ideas about big questions about, about life on earth, um, ecology and evolution. You know, it's, it, they're just fun to think about. And also they're, they're wild. They do crazy things, right? Um, and there's a lot that's still unknown. Um, Believe it or not, species, people are still describing new species to science from remote, undersampled places in the world. And so there's a lot of that uh, just basic discovery that's out there to be done. Um, uh, yeah, so I guess that, that type of excitement for discovery kind of drew me in and, and then it kind of didn't really look back. Yeah, and so now are you able to just be out in the world without paying so much attention to the birds? As you say, they're kind of all around us. This is something where you can never fully leave the lab when, you, when, you're, when your subject is birds. Yes, um, yes. Although there's, there's I, th I think well, one of the great things that I love about birds is also there's so many different ways to enjoy them. So studying them academically is very rewarding. I've had a lot of fun doing that, but it's only one of the many ways, right? And so, you know, bird watching and birding is is something that I think is a, you know, it's I, I've gotten a lot of pleasure from that. Um, you know, I've met a lot of really wonderful people from all different backgrounds and walks of life all over the planet, uh, just due to bird watching or sharing information or observations about birds. So, um, yeah, I guess there are a lot of different ways to enjoy birds. Yeah. Well, Justin Baldwin, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me here. And Justin is a PhD candidate studying biology at Washington University. You can read his new study in Ecology Letters. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.